0: Well, good morning, church. I was a little worried for a while there. This side, like, was all filled up. People, you walk in, you sit right down. And this side, was so I was afraid the church was going to lopside and lean a little bit. Thanks for balancing out, everybody. Um, it is good, though, to see the church fill up, to come ready to hear God's word, to say what is true. I want to hear it and then to be able to share that truth. And we've been talking about Jesus Christ. He is... The Son of God, but He is also God. That is truth. And uh, we don't just talk about it, we believe it. We we believe it. And so we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Some people use the term Christians. And you know, they we throw that term Christian around very loosely. Um, But I think uh, as we look around, a lot of people say, Well, I believe there is a God. So I'm a Christian. That's how they qualify themselves as a Christian. They say, well, we're a Christian nation because we got a lot of churches and people in it and people believe about God. That's not really, I guess, if you want to call that a Christian. So I, I, I don't know if I would call myself that. Because there's so much more. Just because you believe that God exists doesn't make you a Christian. A Christian is a true follower of Jesus Christ. You're committed. You're all in. You, your actions, your lifestyle exemplifies what you believe. And there's evidence for what you believe. And so if you say, I'm a Christian, you say, I am all in. You're, you're one of those that, we just sang this song, I surrender all. That's the Christian. I'm surrendering all. My, there's evidence. I heard about a man. He broke into a garage and um, he took some tools. He took... Uh, some boxing gloves and some other workout equipment. Uh, and then he saw this surveillance camera. He stole that as well. Yeah, Rod, you got it. Because here's the thing, because that surveillance camera was running, and so it caught him. And so there is evidence as to who did the crime, right? There's so many times we sit there and think, well, I can get away with it. But there, the crime was committed, you know what, because there was evidence. The camera caught him taking all these things, including the camera that he took. Right, When I think about that, I have to ask this question about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. If this were a courtroom this morning, and we were to bring you up front, and your crime is you call yourself a Christian, would there be evidence, would there be eyewitnesses, would there be proof bring against you to call, yes, you are guilty of being a Christian. We have proof that you are a Christian. We have evidence of what you believe. We have eyewitnesses that say, we have seen you living like a Christian. You are guilty. Would that include all of us in this room? Is there enough evidence to show that what you believe is true by the way you live, by the way you act, by your surrendering? John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said he was the light of the world. But he didn't say, I'm just the light of the world. He said this then to his disciples, to those who were followers of him, those who had evidence of their faith in him. He looked at them, and then he said, he goes, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, listen, in the same way, let your light shine out for all to see so that everyone will give praise to your Heavenly Father. If our faith is a light and we walked into a dark room, would the ambience change? Would the atmosphere change? Would it be brighter in that room because you, a light for Jesus Christ, just walked in? Or would it still be dark? What would that be like? If it doesn't change, then something in us needs to change. The next five weeks, including today, we're going to focus on how to shine for God. We'll have a couple of different people that are going to be up here in the pulpit besides myself sharing. But today we're going to focus on why we should shine. The excuses that we make for not shining and how to do it. So turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter six, we're going to look in verse 24. I've shared this passage before. Uh, It's probably about three, maybe four years ago. Second Kings chapter six, starting verse 24. If you need a Bible, we've got them in the back. We'll bring one to you or just raise your hand. Somebody will bring it up if you need one. In ancient history, uh, nations, they would fight. They would fight often, and a lot of people would die. And so kings got smart, leaders got smart, and they said, let's see if we can preserve some of our lives. How about we'll just, instead of our armies fighting each other, we'll pull a champion, and your champion, our two champions will fight. That would determine which nation wins. And so remember the story of David and Goliath? That's the situation. Another situation was they would surround the city and uh, it'd be a besiege. They would, they would uh, keep food from going in and out and starve people out. That's another thing you could do to uh, resolve conflict instead of just having an all-out war. Well, that's the situation here, Second Kings 6. It says in verse 24, Afterward, ben king of Syria, mastered his entire army and they went up and besieged Samaria. There was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, I love sharing this passage with junior hires during lunch uh, because there are always the ones like, we don't like school food. It stinks. It's like, do you see what they're eating? Donkey head and bird poop. Okay. So 80, 80 pieces of silver for the donkey head, five for the bird poop. So if you've only got 10, maybe 20 pieces of silver, guess what you're eating today. Right. Ooh, let me hear you say this is a mess. Yeah, that's a mess. Okay, so let's read on here. Verse 26. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help my lord, O king. Verse 27. He said, If the Lord would not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king said, What's your trouble? She answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son, and we ate him. And on the next day, I said to her, Give your son that we made him. But she's hidden her son. Wow. Let me hear you say this is a mess. It's definitely a mess, isn't it? Food and water supplies have run out. They're eating donkey heads and bird poop. Now it's turned to cannibalism. Two women are arguing because they made a plan the day before that they would cook their kids and eat them while they did the one. The next day, to go to look for the other one, and she hit them. She's not upset about the fact she ate her own kid. She's mad that this lady hid hers. This is a mess. And we look at this situation, and, and, I, and I just sit there and think, what is going on? Things not good in this city, are they? Well, if you leave the city and go outside the city walls, there's four lepers. Leprosy was a nasty thing. And if you had leprosy, you were excluded from your family, from places of worship. You were often kicked out, excluded, um, until maybe you were healed if you survived. You usually would die. So these lepers are sitting outside the wall. Let's pick up in uh, chapter 7, verse 3. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. They said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, we will die there. If we sit here, we die also. So come now, let's go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, and if we will live, not we'll die. So basically, this is their plan. We're going to die here we got leprosy. We're we're just going to starve. We can't go inside because we have leprosy, and they're not going to feed us anyway. They don't have any food in there. Let's just surrender to the Syrian army. march over the hill, surrender ourselves. If they kill us, they kill us. We're going to die anyway. Maybe they'll spare our lives. So let's find out what happens in verse 5. So at twilight, they went into the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel is hired against us, the king of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and they fled for their lives. So in the middle of the night, understand the Syrian army is surrounding this big city. They are set up to last as long as they need. They got enough supplies if it's going to take a month, six months, a year. We will take as long as it needs to wait out these people in this city. So they got every supply you can think of and they got their tents set up and they got their donkeys and their horses and the fires are burning. But in the middle of the night, they hear a noise and they think that they're being attacked. God creates such a noise. It scares them and they run. They just drop everything and run. These four lepers come into the camp and all they see are tents, horses, donkeys, fires, burning food on the table. Look what it says in verse 8. When these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent, they ate, they drank, they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent, carried off things and went and hid those. Verse 9. Then they said one to another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we're silent and we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. These men were dying. The people in the city are dying. And they're, they're surrounded by death. But you know what? God did not leave them for dead. They found food. They found water. They found all that they need. God miraculously saved them. They now have this new life. And they could have kept it all to themselves. Did you notice they started that? They're like, oh, we're going to eat and drink. Let's hide some of this stuff. This is awesome. But then they, they came to their senses like, you know what? This is right. This is good news. We've got good news. Let's take it back to the city. Now, you can imagine one of the other lepers like, whoa, whoa the city? Do you remember them? The, one, the people that hate us, the people that bullied us, the people that laugh at us, the people that kicked us out? We're going to take it back to them we can just stay here ourselves. Let them all die out, and then we'll take all this stuff back into the city and we'll have the whole city to ourselves. We could do that. But they didn't have that discussion, at least we're not aware of anyway. They went back to the city. And they took the good news to a dying city that was a mess. Church, listen very carefully. I love reading this passage because to me, I'm sitting there going, you know what? We've got good news. We've been saved, we've been rescued from sin. We deserve hell. We deserve death. But thanks be to Jesus Christ who rescued us from all those things. He says, I'm giving you life. We've got good news, don't we? And you know what's out here? A mess. This world's a mess. Whether it's relationships, people quitting on each other, where it's the sins of this world, the drug abuse, whatever it may be. We look around and go, this is a mess. And oh, it's not just out in the world, it's in this church. Did you know that? You know, if you walked in this morning and you're visiting, let me just say this about our church. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We all mess up, right? We're all in need of God's grace and mercy. But we've got good news. That good news needs to be shared here and out there. We can't keep it to ourselves any longer. It's, it's incredible what God has given us. Like, he goes, I'm the light of the world, and I'm making you the light as well. Go shine for me in the darkness. Go light up that mess. Go give them the good news, right? We can't wait any longer to shine in this dark world. We need to share the good news now. I I, I saw this this quote. It says, The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. What are we waiting for? It might be too late for some people if we sit around any longer on this. we got the best kept secret. Life in Jesus Christ. Why? Why should I share this message of hope? Because I know what sin is. You all know what sin is? I'm, I'm sure you do. Sin is that we say, oh, it's missing the mark. It's when we mess up. It's when we make mistakes. It's, sin is what separates us from God, right? And let me tell you something. When you're separated from God, you know what you don't have? You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You don't have any hope. Sin separates us from that. Sometimes we just feel so hopeless. We feel guilty, maybe angry. And we're just like being robbed of the joy we should have. And it's like, well, my relationship with God is not good right now. It's fractured. You want to know why your life is a mess? Because you're probably fractured and apart from God right now. And it's when he mends that relationship, when we we are reconciled in that relationship with God, we have that hope and that peace and that joy that he wants to give us. Why do I want to shine in the darkness? Because I, got, I know a lot of people that right now that are miserable. I know joy. I know peace. I know hope. And you do too. Don't you think we should share that with other people? Why should we shine our light? Why should we share the good news? Because it is the good news. Does that make sense? It's good news. When you love somebody, you've got to tell them about it, right? How many times have you, um, you know, wanted to call up somebody because you just got to tell them, right? Now, some of you, like, especially those of you that are, like, really in love, we know who you are because it's like maybe you're engaged or um, you're, you have a serious dating relationship or you're just newlyweds. It's like if you're in a pickup truck, you'd be sitting next to each other, right? If you're married, you're about three feet apart from each other in the, in the vehicle, right? We know who you are, okay? But here's the thing. When you're, like, really in love with somebody and you really care about them and you get good news, what do you do? Hey, i got to tell you something, right? Because you got good news. You want to share it with people, right? If you're walking in the parking lot after work and you see somebody's car's their front tire maybe is a little flat or something doesn't look right, you probably wait around or you wait for that person to come out because you want to tell them, you know what? There's something wrong with your car. You might want to get checked out before you pull out of here. Why would you? Because you care about them. You don't want them to get hurt. Or you look at somebody else who maybe you're at work and it's like, hey, I got a computer software. This will help you get your work done about three hours quicker than what has been going. I want to help you be more productive. I want to help you in something, right? See, when we've got good news, when we don't want somebody to get hurt or we want to help somebody, I think we're pretty quick to help them, aren't we? But when it comes to sharing our faith, we're like, well, I don't want to impose my faith upon them. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a private thing, and, you know, they probably don't believe what I believe, or they probably think I'm pretty narrow minded in what I believe, so I, I probably shouldn't share it with them. It's like, it's good news. Share it with them. But it's sort of narrow minded. Well, of course it's narrow minded because Jesus said the road was narrow. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me one way, Jesus Christ. I may sound like I'm proud. No, I'm I'm repeating truth. There is only one way, and Jesus said it, and I believe it. You may not like that answer, but that's what it says. And if we really believe that there is a heaven, and we really believe that there is a hell, and that Jesus offers us the way to heaven, and there is one way, I think we've got that good news. We'd want to shine and share it, wouldn't we? Jesus said, we're the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. This is our spiritual DNA. This is We are light. To not shine is to be disobedient. This is who we are called to be. Now, if you've gone and seen the movie Overcomer, um, and I explained a couple of weeks ago, take some Kleenexes, okay? I'm going to show you a clip from this movie today. Still in the theaters here in Washington, I think, through Thursday for sure. Uh, but we're going to show you a clip, and hopefully, this will give you just a little glimpse of what you might see. Sean. So. If I asked you who you are, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm a basketball coach. And if that's stripped away? Well, I'm also a history teacher. Okay. We take that away. Who are you? Well, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And God forbid that should ever change. But if it does, who are you? I don't understand this game. It's not a game, man. Who are you? Um, I'm a white American male. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Is there anything else? Well, I'm a Christian. And what's that mean? It means follower of Christ. And how important is that? It's very important. Interesting. Hi, right, so far down your list. Okay, wait a minute. I could have easily said Christian first. Hey, yeah, but you didn't. Look, John. Your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. Doesn't sound like the Lord asked first place. You're calling me a bad Christian? Let me be a little direct. Last time you were here, you said you'd pray for me. Did you? No. No. For someone who knows the Lord, you're acting like somebody who doesn't. Which makes me wonder, what have you allowed to define you? When you lost your team, it didn't just disappoint you. It devastated you. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. But when you find your identity and the one who created you, it'll change your whole perspective. Hmm. Just one clip of something that's really, really good. Um, and then that line that he gave in there just sort of floored me. And I was thinking about that. You know, if what we have is so good. Why aren't we telling others? What if somebody knew for a very long time, they they know you're a Christian, okay? You've never told them. And then they come to know Christ. And then they come to you and you say, you knew this whole time. How come you never told me about Jesus? How would that hit you? How would that make you feel? You have the answer to eternal life and you've never shared it with them. They had to hear it from somebody else. Either you're embarrassed about your savior, you don't care, or it's not real. Or you're going to be faithful and share the truth, will you? I know a lot of us, you know, we get nervous. We think, well, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. This is part of our DNA as Christians to shine for Him. Let's let's, let's debunk a few myths or excuses out there because we all have excuses, right? There's a lot of things that keep us from shining and sharing our faith. So here's the first one. Well, people probably aren't even open to this. So why should I share? They're probably not even open to this. John chapter 4, Jesus talks to the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. And as he's talking to her, he has a conversation with her. He doesn't beat her down with a bunch of biblical truths starting in Genesis. He just has this conversation. And then she goes and what? She goes and tells the whole village, you need to come meet this guy. And the whole village comes out to hear Jesus Christ and have this conversation. Oh, they probably, what? They're not openness? A whole village was open to it. Somebody just had to invite them to have a conversation. You know, the majority of people today in this United States of America say they believe in God. Did you know that? The majority of people in the United States believe that there is a God. And the majority of those people, though, do not go to church. But the majority of those people will listen to a family member or a friend if they want to have a conversation. People already know you're a Christian. They already know it. Have a conversation with them. Have a conversation with them. They probably already believe that there is a God that exists. They maybe just don't know about Jesus Christ. And they're probably not going to be in a church, so you might as well go ahead and have a conversation with them and share with them. Here's, a, here's another one. Uh, only superstars and extroverts can share. Rex, you're a pastor. Rex, you're up front. You can do this. You're an extrovert. Now, I'll tell you, I think sometimes I'm really an introvert. I mean, you give me a choice being with a large crowd or, or, or grabbing a book, Bible, or being a TV, or being by myself in a room, I'd probably choose the latter. Okay? Um, yeah, I love what I do. I love sharing, but you know what? That doesn't qualify me then as a great messenger. Some of us think, well, i got to be outgoing, right? Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this. For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power. Did you catch that? Of God at work and everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. You know what? Because it's the power. The message is in the, right here. This is the power, not in the messenger. The power is not in me. The power is in the message. The power is not so much of, of you being a great and eloquent speaker and, and being to clear, uh, clearly explain the gospel. It's in sharing the power, the gospel. Let it do the changing. It doesn't have to be like, well, I don't. No. Here's the power in the message. Third one. Third one is this witness is something I do versus something that I am. See, some people equate witnessing with what we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to get up in the morning, I'm supposed to read my Bible. I'm supposed to pray. Uh, I'm supposed to go to church, church. I'm supposed to witness. I'm supposed to do these things. Witnessing is who you are. It's it's sharing with people who you are. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says. You will be my witnesses. You will be, not you will go do my witnessing. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the other parts of the world. It starts right where we're at. Here's excuse number four. Some people say, well, it's an event. Not so much a process. So we've got to have outreach events. If we're not at an outreach event, then I don't have to share my faith. But if we have an event, then I can share my faith there. No, it's it's a process. You don't have to have an event. We've done events. We will do events. We will be part of events where we will share the gospel. But it's not just for events. It's a process. It's a process. You don't have to be preachy and pushy and dump it all on everybody. You're like, okay, I'm going to sit down with the Fogarty's right now. We're going to go to Genesis. We're going to go through Revelation. I'm going to tell you everything about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, what he did for you. Starting back and then, and then you need to read it. And that's pushy, that's preachy. And some people are like very turned off by it. I, I get that, okay? It's, it's a process. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6-7. to He goes, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. We're planting seeds. Somebody else is watering, somebody else is cultivating, somebody else is pulling the weeds, and God's doing all the work in there. It's a process. As you pray for somebody, you might have a, the awesome opportunity to lead somebody to Christ and share with them. They pray, you pray together with them, but you know what? Somebody else might have been praying them before you. Somebody else might have shared the word with them before you. A lot of people maybe were involved in the process, which is a great thing. When someone comes to know the Lord, you celebrate because God probably orchestrated something pretty transformational, and it's pretty incredible. Let me give you an example. We're going to be part of a process today. Okay, you ready to join me on this one? You remember a few weeks ago, if you were here, uh, if you didn't, you can go back and watch the podcast. We had six people who got baptized. One of them was Scott Brown. Scott Brown gave his testimony of how God completely changed his life, how he walked away from his marriage and he was messing around. Things were bad. I mean, his relationship was just not good with his wife. And then God got a hold of him. He shared that in his testimony with everybody, right? Now fast forward, he's like, I'm, I'm I'm changed man now. God's working through me, and I want everybody knowing he gets baptized. He sends me a text this week and says, "Rex, can you pray for me? I've got a coworker who's got uh, cancer and it's it's bad, and I want to share the gospel with. Him. I want him to know the good news. I, I, what do I do? What do I say? You know." And so I prayed for him, sent him some stuff. This is what you can say. So he texted me back and said, "This. I was able to get in and see my friend before his chemo treatment today." We talked about work a bit to lighten the mood and he was able to talk with him one-on-one. As we were discussing, one of the doctors came in around 11.15 to drain the fluid off his lungs so my visit was cut a bit short. However, before I left, we were able to pray together, ask the Lord to watch over Larry in his time of uncertainty and troubles, to ask for forgiveness. I've never had a greater feeling than this morning. Right up there with watching the birth of a child. He goes, I left him that morning and headed out and then I got a Visit with a, to visit with a customer who runs one of our service techs. And he goes, I hired him about five years ago. Long story short, he saw my, fo- my post on Facebook about being baptized. And he asked me this, what's all this about you being baptized? Are you a Bible banger now? I said, well, if that's how you want to stereotype me, then yes, I am. We started talking about my testimony, about me spinning out of control on who I was. He interjected the comment, well, I used to go to Bible study at a church in Wasyan. I said, yeah, what changed? He said, well, they asked me to commit, to get baptized. I freaked out and I quit going. I again told him my testimony. I said, you, and then he said, you look different. You look happy. I said, I can't explain it. It's the Holy Spirit working in me. He said, can you call me? I'd like to talk further. I can't explain it. It's been a great week for me. The opportunities and the ease of discussing the Lord and how he's worked in my heart and the opportunities he's opened with me. Just in the last few days, incredible. So, Scott's in the middle of a process right now. So his friend has got cancer and his co-worker who's questioning. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to join the process this morning, okay? We're going to pray right now for Scott's co-worker and Scott's friend that's in the hospital, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to pray right now, Lord, for Larry as he's in the hospital. Lord, his cancer has gotten worse. We're going to pray, Lord, for his heart. Lord, I know his lungs right now are filled with cancer, but his heart, God, we want you to clean it out and fill it up with you. God, we pray that as Scott's been faithful in sharing, that he will continue and that your spirit will work. God, we're praying right now, we're just watering the seed. Lord, move in Larry's heart. Lord, we pray for Scott's coworker. Lord, I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. You do. And Lord, he knows about you. Lord, we want him to know you personally. So we pray for his salvation too. We believe this, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining me in the process. There's other reasons why we think maybe we can't do this. Because we think, well, they'll never come to know Jesus. That person will never pray that prayer. They'll never accept it. Can we say that about Saul? Remember Saul? He was a murderer. He killed Christians. You think somebody ever said, Saul will never come to know the Lord? Oh yeah, he did. Changed his name to Paul and he wrote what, 13 books in the New Testament? God can do amazing things. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Listen, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to die. God doesn't send people to hell. God wants people to know him. Do I look at people the way God does? Do I, as I'm walking along, do I look at them and say, you know what? I don't want them to perish. God doesn't want them to perish. Am I looking at them the same way? Will I share with them? This past Friday, the news reported that a million students walked out of their classrooms and off workplaces, high school and college students. They skipped school for a day in a movement It was called Fridays for Future. So I was like curious, what are all these students doing, okay? It was probably more in the larger cities, and this is what came from their website. School children are required to attend school, but with the worsening climate destruction, the goal of going to school begins to be pointless. Why study for a future which may not be here? So the whole point was they're protesting for climate change, and so the If the world's going to end due to climate change, we might as well not go to school. It's pointless. That was their thing. Now, I went on to read on their website. They give like five steps for action, and I counted five spelling errors in those five steps. I'm thinking, you shouldn't have skipped school, okay? That was my first thought, okay? Anyway, my point in mentioning this is they're worried about the future. There's people that are legitimately worried about the future and the climate, whatever it may be. I get that, okay? So let me ask you this, though. Would you be willing to all the students are like i'm in would you be willing to skip school or work take a day off to go out and let everybody know i'm a christian and i'm concerned about the climate of your heart would we do that like i said all students in here are probably like, yeah, i'll skip school to tell people about jesus would you because you're going to have to get bold on that one would you do that for work you're going to have to share with people you're going to have to shine right I, listen, I recycle. I try, not, I try not to waste energy. I want to be a good steward of this planet. But I really think we should be more worried about the climate of the heart than we are about the world. Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 2. you like Rex, it's 1130. Aren't you wrapping this up? Yeah, right after I get done reading Ezekiel chapter 2. Old Testament, get past uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Get past Isaiah, Jeremiah, then you're at Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2. This is a a great moment. God commissions Ezekiel. He says, hey, I want you to look at the world around you. I've got a message for you. And I love how he starts this up in chapter two. He says, he goes, stand up, son of man. Now, can you remember getting called in the principal's office or your boss or somebody, your coach is like, hey, get over here. You're like, what did I do, right? Can you imagine God saying, son of man, stand up. I got to talk to you. like, yes, sir, right? Verse two, the spirit came into me as he spoke and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I'm sending you to the nation of Israel. A nation that is rebelling against me. Their ancestors have rebelled against me from the beginning. They're still in revolt to this very day. They are hard-hearted, stubborn people. But I'm sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or not, for remember, they're rebels. At least they'll know they have a prophet among them. Son of man, do not fear them. Don't be afraid even though their threats are sharp as thorns and barbed like briars. They sting like scorpions. Do not be dismayed by their dark scowls. For remember, they're rebels. You must give them my message, whether they listen or not. But they won't listen because they're completely rebellious. Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Don't join them in being a rebel. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And I look and I saw a hand reaching out to me and it was it held a scroll He unrolled it, and I saw both sides were covered with funeral songs and words of sorrow and pronouncements of doom. Uh, This passage is an incredible passage. God basically says, hey, you know what? I'm commissioning you right now. You believe in me, right? You you trust me. Yes, yes, I do. Just like I trust Jesus Christ, right? And he goes, then this is what you're going to do right now. I want you to go out to these people who are hard-hearted. Yeah, it's a messy world out there. They're hard-hearted. They won't want to listen to what you have to say. But I still want you to talk to them. Oh, they're going to be stubborn. They're going to be rebellious. But you still need to tell them. Because a lot of times we make the excuse where they're not going to listen. It's not your job to make them listen. It's our job to be the messengers and share the good news. And so we go, right? Ezekiel, and Ezekiel's like, this isn't going to be easy. You know, some of us think it's going to be easy. No, it's not. It's not easy. Let's be real. Listen, you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's not all puppies and flowers and rainbows, okay? Bad things still happen. You still get challenged. God even said, hey, it's going to be like, briars and scorpions. That hurts, by the way, okay? Never been sung by a scorpion, okay? But I can imagine it stings. And God equates that with, this is what it's going to be like telling people about me. It's going to hurt sometimes. But I'm going to be with you. And he goes on the next chapter, say three times, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. I'm with you. Don't fear. I'm with you. And he challenges them to this. I love it. He's basically saying, be bold. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said what? All authority has been given to me. And I'm giving it to you now. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ has all the authority. God is powerful. God is big. God is mighty. And he goes, I've got all this, all the authority, and I'm giving it to you, church. Go shine for me. Won't be easy at times. But you can do this because I am with you. Do you Church, do you believe that God is powerful? Yes or no? Yes. Do you believe he's victorious? Yes or no? Yes. So if he is big and he's powerful and you believe it, do you trust him to help you every day? Yes. yes. And if you say no, then you don't believe he's big. If you don't believe him to trust you, then you're a liar. If you said, I believe he's big, I believe he's powerful, then guess what? He's big enough to take care of you today. And he's big enough to walk with you wherever you go to share. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to wrap it up with this. How do we share How do we shine our light? First thing is this get alone with God. Okay? Just spend some time. Get quiet with God. Let Him empower you with His Spirit. You can't go out and be powerful unless you're plugged into the powerful source, right? Spend some time with them, too. Get in a small group. Bible study, east, west, Tupac. Get encouraged. Get with a group of people. Wednesday night. Oh, oh wow. Um, I walked in here to see what was going on at the junior and senior high. This whole section was full, and part of this section was full. It was close to 100 students in here in the middle school and high school. I was like, wow. And I walked around the other part of the building. And I walked by the preschool room. I stopped. I actually backed up, and I looked in again. There was like 9 or 10 last week. There was like 19 or 20 this week. It's like every room in this building doubled in size, it felt like. They had almost 92, 90s, 90, was it 92 kids here? Kids, not adults, kids in the younger ages. Uh, Get plugged into a group. Come and grow. Come and learn. Christ empowers us and equips us when, we, when we're inside these walls, so when we go outside these walls, we can share that good news. Here's the third thing. Be intentional. This morning, I challenge you. You're like, well, I need to go going to lunch. No, you don't. Lunch will be there when you get there, okay? Take time to meet somebody in here that you do not know, okay? Be intentional. It's just so easy when we come to church just to meet with people we know, friends and family. We become cliquish. Stop it, okay? Let's get to know other people. So go out and meet somebody like, I don't know them. I think they've been here for two years. I know I have, and this is embarrassing. Well, it's okay. We all get embarrassed, right? No, I, I had to put this... With, into action this morning. I'd met somebody when they came in. It was their first time here. They look familiar. And uh, I was like, hey, and I acted like I knew them. Okay. Oh yeah, good to see you again. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Who is that? Right? So after the church service, I was convicted, so I would go meet them. So after church service was over, boom, beeline right to that person, said, you know what? I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. I know I met you somewhere, whether it was here or in other places. Yeah, it was about, uh, it was last February over in defiance. He's like, oh, that's probably why I don't remember. But I, why not? I can't tell you to do it if I'm not doing it. So I encourage you: be intentional. Meet somebody, shake their hand. Hi, hey, I'm Rex. You are? Oh, okay, great. And then, if you want, ask them: Can I pray for you this week? Is there anything I can pray for? Right. And then here's the thing: if they give you something to pray for, you saw the clip, right? Pray for them. Pray for them, right? Okay. Here's the fourth thing: applaud each other and encourage each other to shine. Okay. Instead of saying, "Hey, let's go shine," how about we encourage each other to shine? Hey. Yeah, I know I know some of you students are involved like in different ministries or clubs like F C A whatever it may be. Good job, keep it up, keep shining. Leading your teams in prayer. Uh, some of you are sharing at work. I I I could have been more proud. This past week, I was at a a, a practice, a youth practice, and, and a parent came up, totally frustrated with everything that was going on. And right away, the the director of the program said, oh, hey, have you met Rex? He comes in every week and talks to our team. Would you like to talk He's a pastor. And she goes, where at? I said, True North Church. She goes, oh, I've heard about that church before. I was going to come. And I was thinking, are you really going to come? And then she said, Mike Fogarty told me about that church. I'd really like to come. And I was thinking, boom. That's what I'm talking about. So I want to applaud you. Thank you. When you're at work, when you're out out and about, you're you're shining. So I want to applaud that. We, we want to cheer you on, okay? Cheer on the light, not the darkness. What I mean by that is sometimes people go on social media, posts, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. And somebody posts something. Hey, look what I did this weekend. It was totally immoral and wrong. And we're like, oh, like, why are you liking that? Seriously, why are you liking that? Hey, good job. Way to screw up for God. Way to choose Darkness. Please do me a favor. Stop liking posts that are not good. At that moment, just look at that post and go, Wow, I need to pray for that person. Pause and pray. Okay? Don't like the stuff that's dark. You see somebody post something that's good? Like it. Comment on it if you want. Thanks for sharing that. I was inspired. Thanks for sharing that verse. Thanks for sharing that picture of the sunset. Whatever it may be. Applaud the light. Do not join in with the darkness. And uh, if you really want to get out there, there's a last week in October, it's called Revival Ohio, in which all across Fulton County, there's about 20 plus churches that are doing this, including ours. We're, we're announcing this, trying to get involved in it too. And that is during that week, people are going to come together, get trained up to go share the gospel and go have conversations with people throughout the day. You'll hear more about that coming. It's called Revival Ohio. Worship team, would you please come forward? Church, I want to encourage you. I really, I really do. We've got such good news, don't we? We've got great news. God is powerful. God is alive. God is victorious. He gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. God gives us so much. He rescued us. We sang a song. He rescued us, right? We've got good news. As a church, I want to encourage you. Take that good news. Go shine. Let people see what you believe. Let there be evidence of what you believe. Let there be testimony and proof to what you believe. I have good news. I want others to have that good news. I don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. Do you? I'm hoping not. So let's share the good news with them. Let's share the good news with them. That's how we can show people what we believe. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you Lord for this church. I thank you for the people here. I thank you Lord that you have given us your spirit. You have given us the light to shine. So God, I know some of us in here were nervous or a little worried like I don't know if I can do this. We can. We can because you you have given us your spirit because you have rescued us from sin because you have given us the great news the good news we can go share this we can shine sometimes we just need to be reminded we can go do this so God I pray we encourage each other I pray Lord that we become bold and Lord when somebody rejects what we have to say that's okay We've already been told they will. But Lord, we also let some people will not reject it. That they've been waiting to hear the good news from us. So God, lay upon our heart right now that first person we need to share with. Who is it? God, speak to us. God, we love you. We want to sing to you now. In my name we pray. Amen.